0: We're going to get right into tonight's message. Hold it up real high. Say, this is God's word. word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. word. Not Pastor Evan's word. word. I am who it says I am. I I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it it says says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, Today I, will hear the word of God. I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare, I boldly declare that, my that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My, heart is receptive. My, ears open, my ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, Father, we thank you for this time that we have tonight to fellowship around your word. We thank you for open hearts and open minds, and most of all, we ask that the Spirit of the living God will change us, will touch us, will encourage us, and most of all, impart by the Spirit of God the things which you want us to know and experience for the year 2009. We thank you, Father, for 2008, but we also thank you that 2009 will be even greater. That our hopes are set not on what the world has to offer, but what your word has to offer. So as I I have decreased, I thank you for your anointing increasing to feed your people your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Tonight's service represents the first service for our new year and even though we'll still in 2008 technically I'm going to talk to you tonight as if it's 2009 is that okay yes. Yes. amen and a new year always gives us the opportunity to do a review and a preview everybody say review preview. and preview Now, previews are short movie clips that are designed to produce enough excitement and enjoyment for you to come back and see the whole movie. How many like to sit through previews? Let me see your hand. You know, personally, I don't like going through previews. I just want to see the movie that I came in to see. But previews are designed to really give you a glimpse of a movie and entice you to the point that it will encourage you to come back. Well, what better preview can we have and get that's more valuable than God's word? And so today and tonight's message is a direct result of me spending time in prayer and meditation to hear what the voice of the Lord is for Word of Truth Family Church and for you individually. Every year, God gives us a prophetic direction, which is designed to chart our expectations for the upcoming year. In other words, God will always give us a prophetic direction and that prophetic direction will give us hope so that we can anchor our faith in what he wants for us for the coming year. And so this year's theme for 2009 is a year of all sufficiency in all things. Everybody say a year year of all sufficiency in all things. What does that mean? That means that for 2009... God wants Word of Truth Family Church members and those of you who are here tonight, he wants you to have a year full of all sufficiency in all things. That just means that God wants you to set your hope and your expectations on having more than enough at all times in your life. Now, I want you to do this. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter nine. And this is where we're going to use as a platform God's word to not just justify having a year of all sufficiency, but we're going to through the uh, the reading of God's word, we're going to see that it is God's will for us to experience all sufficiency in all things. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm looking in verse, I'm going to start actually in verse 1. I'm going to read a lot because I really want us to see the context of what this is actually saying. And I want you, if you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write down this point number 1, and that is this. An all-sufficient year starts with an all-sufficient promise. An all-sufficient year starts with an all-sufficient promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you're there, say, I'm there. I'm actually going to start... Let's start now in verse 5. He says, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort you, brethren, that you would go before unto you, that they who would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty, not as covetousness. Verse 6. But this I say. This is Paul talking now to the Corinthian church. He said, but this I say. He who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver and God here's the focus verse and God is able say God is able Amen. say it again Amen. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work Now, I'm going to read that out of the Amplified Version. He says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation." In other words, God is saying he wants you to have more than enough to the point that whatever you have a heart to do in terms of helping people, you are able to do it. I believe in 2009, God's going to bless you so much that if your whole family needed, needed you to pay their car, no, you can do it and still wouldn't miss a beat. See, you don't have enough until you can help somebody and it doesn't bother you at all to do it. Have you ever ever been in a situation where you needed to help somebody, but you didn't have it to help them? Isn't that a bad feeling? You know why it's a bad feeling? It's a bad feeling because God designed us to walk in abundance. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God designed you to walk in abundance. Now, here's what I did, because I'm going to use this as a platform for me teaching tonight. I went and I looked up every single one of these words in a biblical uh, in the in the in the Greek. That's what I did so that we could really see the biblical definition of each one of these words. And then what I did after I looked up each word, I tied those words together and I formed my own verse. Now it's not my own verse. What I did I just took the biblical definitions and I combined them together and I'm going to read to you now what that verse actually sounds like when each one of those words are defined. Here's what it sounds like. And God is powerful enough to superabound in quality and quantity with excess enough to spare all. Favor, benefits, and pleasures until it exceeds a fixed number and go over and above for you until it overflows to you, so that you always hold in your hand all sufficiency, which is a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed in all things, so you may be able to exceed in every good work. Now, listen. You know that word, look in the verse in chapter, in verse 8. And he says, uh, where he says that word having all sufficiency in all things. That word having, when you look look it up, it actually means to hold in your hand. So he's saying you want to hold in your hand all sufficiency. This is not a spiritual promise. This is a tangible promise. See, so many times people will read a scripture like that and they'll say, you know what, God just wants me, he just wants me blessed spiritually, praise the Lord. You know how you run into those praise the Lord people. Come on, everybody knows praise the Lord people. Those are people, you think that their vocabularies are limited because all they know how to say is, come on, help me now. And boy, those kind of people kind of embarrass me when we're like, you know, in a nice restaurant. You know, have you been in one of those real, real, real nice restaurants, and and they're talking to you, and yes, praise the Lord, and praise the Lord, we did this, and praise the Lord, did it, and everybody just everybody's looking at them, going, I wish they would stop praising the Lord. We're trying to eat in here. In other words, this is not just a spiritual promise. This is something that God wants us to naturally walking to, and that's why when you look up the word "having," it means to have. Or to hold in your hand. Now, here's the question that I have for you tonight. What is it going to take for us to walk in more than abundant and all sufficiency? What is it going to take? See, many people think that they know what it takes. But I can prove to you that most people don't know because if they knew they would have it. Now, I want you to do this. Turn quickly to the book of 2 Peter. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. And here's point number 2. Remember, point number 1 was an all-sufficient year starts with an all-sufficient promise. An all-sufficient year starts with an all-sufficient promise. Now, God has the ability to fulfill every promise that he makes. Second Peter chapter 3, if you're there, say, I'm there. All right, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, if you're taking notes. God has the ability to fulfill every promise that he makes. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, this is what it says. It says, the Lord is not what? Come on, class. He is not slack concerning his promises. He's not slack as some men count slackness. God's not like us. He doesn't promise with the, watch this, with the hopes that he, he's going to do it. You know, have you promised somebody something, but... You really, you, you intend on doing it, but you end up not doing it. How many have done that before? See, God's not like that. When God says he's going to do something for you, he's, it's not, he doesn't just have the intentions. He has the ability and the desire to do it. And he says, no, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. And the context of that is talking about salvation and repentance, but it's a general principle, uh, uh, universal principle in the Bible that God is not slack concerning his promises. So whatever promise God is made, has made to you, he is going to back that promise up. And the promise that I want you to focus in on tonight is the promise of living an all-sufficient year of 2009. Now, you may say, well, Pastor, you don't know what kind of year I had in 2008. It don't matter because God made you a promise that in 2009, you're going to have all-sufficiency in all things. Now, go to Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23, because God's Word is designed in and of itself... To come to pass. God's word is designed in and of itself to come to pass. Joshua chapter 23 verse 14. We're talking about now. God has the ability to fulfill his promises that he makes to us. Go to Joshua chapter 23. Because I want you to see that God's word is designed to come to pass. Now I'm I'm looking at verse 14. And it says. And behold this day I am going in the way of all the earth. And you know in all of your hearts and in, and in your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you and are all going to come to pass unto you. And not one thing has failed. In other words, God was talking to them and he said, Listen, the promises that I made you Every single one of them are coming to pass. And not one of them are going to fail. My question to you is, how can God have the audacity to say something he couldn't do? He wouldn't. In other words, he has the ability and he has the power to complete his promises. Now go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Go to Jeremiah chapter 1. God, believe it or not, constantly... Everybody say constantly. God constantly watches over what he promises to make sure it happens. God constantly watches over what he promises us to make sure what he promises happens. Jeremiah chapter 1, look in verse 12. Then says the Lord unto me, you have well seen, for I will hasten. The word hasten, when you look it up, it means to watch or to look out. It also means to remain sleepless. So he's saying here, he says, watch this, verse 12. Then said the Lord unto me, you have seen well, for I will, watch this, go without sleep and watch over my word to do what? To perform it. In other words, God is saying, I do not sleep and my reason for not sleeping is to make sure that what I promised you comes to pass. Now that's awesome because that means God, even when I'm asleep, is orchestrating things to work together for my good. He's moving on people's hearts. He's moving in situations and even though I may not understand how he's going to do it, all I need to believe is that he can do it. Somebody say amen to that. Now go to numbers very quickly. I know I'm giving you some scriptures, but I'm trying to lay a foundation because, see, some of you all don't realize when y'all come to church on Sunday, I'm having to fight half of y'all to just get you to hear the word. Some of you all have been walking around in so much doubt and unbelief and Channel 4 is drowning you that when you come in, if I don't lay some good foundation of the word, you don't understand. Some of y'all look like this to me. You're you're fighting me. The word is coming. See, some of you are right now, you're going, I can't even imagine having a life or a year full of all sufficiency and all things. Can you imagine just putting all your bills on auto pay because you always have enough money that I ain't worried about it? That's what I'm talking about. I think I struck a note on that one, didn't I? I mean, don't even, listen, the only thing you have to do is log on to your website or on the banking information just to make sure they didn't charge you twice. (laughs) Amen. Numbers 23. Why is God able to keep these promises we're talking about? Why is he able to keep them? Look in uh, Numbers chapter 23 and let's look at now verse 19 and 21, 19 through 21. Numbers chapter 23 And I'm going to start in verse 19 Why is God able to keep his promises Well look in verse 19 God is not a man first of all He's not a what He's not a man that he should lie Neither the son of man That he should repent He hath he said And shall he not do it Or has he spoken it And shall he not make it good in other words, watch this. Look at verse 20. I like it too. Behold, I've received commandment to bless. And he has blessed and it cannot be reversed. So in 2009, there's no circumstance that can face you that can reverse the blessing that God has for you. But see, most of us, we don't stand firm on the word. See, when you stand firm on the word, then the word has to change what you're going through. But many of us, you know, we do, we change when we're going through instead of allowing that thing that we're going through to be changed. So here we go. He said, watch this, he is not a man that he should lie. He said, won't I make it good if I said it? Now let me show you another reason why God, he, you know, he can make a promise and keep it. You know why? Because God's promises and him are one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So God's word are his promises. That means that his promises are him. So the only reason he can't lie is because the promise is him. Now, let me tell you why that's powerful. God's promises are him. And when I see that when I stand on his promises, I'm standing on who he is. Now, here's a question I have for you. Who can stand before God? If God be for me, who can be against me? If I'm standing on who God is, whatever is standing against me has to melt down. Amen. So... Let me give you the process for kingdom promises to, to manifest. I'm not going to go through them in detail. I'm just going to throw them out at you. This is the process for kingdom promises to manifest. In other words, in order for a promise that God made you to come to pass, it's, it's got to follow a process. Everybody say a process. And the first process you need to understand for promises to manifest in your life is that number one, Christ gives you access to all the promises. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? Christ gives us access to all promises. Say it one more time. Christ gives us access to all the promises. Now, I'm going to read this. You don't have to turn to it. This is found in Romans chapter 5. And if you're taking notes, verse 1 and 2, listen to what it says. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom? By Jesus Christ. Also, we have access by faith into the grace of God. In other words, Christ has given us access into the promises of God. In fact, one scripture says that we were at one point without God or without Christ. And guess what? We were alienated from the promises of God. In other words, had not Christ died for you and me, we would not have the right to access God's promises. Somebody say amen to that. So Christ first gives us access to the promises. Step number two in this process is that my confession allows me to ask and decree the promises. Now go to Job. Some of you all don't know this verse. Go to Job chapter 22. Job chapter 22. Here's my second point. My confession, your confession, what you say every day allows you to ask and also decree the promises to come to pass in your life. See, what I like, about, I already know I'm going to have a good year in 2009. You, do you know that how well I do in 2009 is in nobody's control but mine? See, once you learn how to use your faith, it ain't got nothing to do with nobody else. Job 22, and look in verse now, number 28. Watch what it says. You shall also decree a thing and the thing that you decree shall be established unto you and the light shall shine upon your ways. God is saying here, cause here's the process. Now I'm talking about how to bring manifestation into the promises of God. The second way to do it is that you got to now start decreeing some things out of your mouth and see some of us, you know what? We're stuck See, we're stuck in the dark. It's like, well, I don't know what to do. That's right. Now, here's the problem. The scripture says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, not the step. Come on Come on, break up, man. See, many of us, we want to take one step and watch God just do everything. It don't work like that. Because, see, God will give you more along the way than he does when you start. You just got to start walking. Remember now, it didn't say we stand by faith. He says we walk. On, so... In order to walk, you got to take some steps. Right, right. And see, the scripture said the steps of a good man are ordered. And so in this case here, your confession, when you begin to decree things, then watch what it says. Then the light will shine on your way. So if you don't know where you're going, if you don't see where that job's coming from, you need to decree it. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. You don't decree. See, we're doing it in the reverse. See, you ought to know this works. Yes. You know how I know it works? Because it's working in reverse for a lot of y'all. <laughs> you driving down the street. Ooh, I'm going to run out of gas. You just watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Call AAA. You do it on your job. Oh, well, my supervisor hates me. That's why they, you drinking all that haterade at work. You know why you're drinking it? Because you're speaking it. Oh, you're decreeing it. So you got to now get your mouth in order. Here's the third process real quick. I'm taking too much time on this. Are y'all being a slow class? No. Watch this. Here's step number three in the process. My thoughts act as my spiritual GPS system that aids my ability to believe. My thoughts. I'm talking about now how do I manifest the promises of God? The first step was what? Christ gives me access to all the promises. Step number two is what? My confession allows me to ask and decree the promises. Step number three is that my thoughts act as my spiritual GPS system that aids my ability to believe. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? That means that whatever you think about the most is is where the direction you're going to go. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if most of your thoughts is one of failure, I I will bet on you you're going to fail. In other words, your thoughts is your GPS system. It is going to guide you along your faith walk. And if your thoughts are negative, you cannot have negative thoughts and walk by faith. Number four, my faith gives me the ability. I mean, the the availability to the promises. In other words, Christ gave me access, but my faith now gives me availability. What's the difference? Okay, Christ represents your ATM card, but your faith represents your PIN code. Are y'all with me tonight? See, it's bad to have a card and don't know the PIN number. And so many Christians, we all, Christ has given us access to all the promises. In fact, the Bible says that all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. And he's made all these promises to us, but most of us, we don't even know our pin code. We haven't learned to use our faith to dial in and get the promises. So your faith gives you the availability to to promise. And then number five, your angels are assigned to help get the promises to you. Now, go over to Psalm 103. We close to the book of Job. It's, It's warm in here. But you know what, Lord, whatever you got to do to get us in our new building, I thank you for it. Because yeah. some of us in this room are just too comfortable. Psalm 103, look in verse 20. Watch this. It says, bless the Lord, you, his angels, who excel in strength, that do his commandments, who hearken to the voice of his word. Yeah. So when you begin to decree God's word, the angels of God, their assignment is to go do what you said. That's right. Did you hear what I said? There are a such thing as angels. The the Bible calls them ministering spirits. And the Bible says they are sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. In other words, everybody now who's saved, you have some angels assigned to you to make sure you get what God promised you. But most of our angels are handcuffed. Because what you're saying out of your mouth, they don't have the ability to produce because angels can only do good. You say, well, what about the devil? He's not, a, he's not an angel no more. He's a demon. Angels, just like God. Remember, said now, God, the father of lights, the scripture says, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, only light comes from God. Light represents good. So guess what? If you're saying negative things out of your mouth, your angel can't go do that because he's only assigned to do what's good. So I wonder how many of us, we got our angels on unemployment. some of y'all angels drawing an unemployment check God are ready to call him back up hey they ain't using you come on let me assign them to somebody else so you gotta make sure and notice that the angels in verse 20 notice that they hearken to the voice of his word what is the voice of his word the word of God so guess what the angels don't know if it's God saying it or me because I'm saying what God said you say well pastor I don't feel what I'm saying. Well, you don't feel like going to work, but you go. I dare you to just not show up for work and 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 then they call you. Oh, where are you this morning? I didn't feel like coming. (laughs) You know what's going to happen? They're going to say, don't worry about it. You don't have to feel like coming tomorrow either. (laughs) Then number five, number six. My actions produce the works to manifest the promise. In James chapter 2, it says faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. So you just can't sit up here and be saying it. Oh, I am believing God for a $90,000 a year job. And you're not filling out no applications or sending no resumes. You just can't sit around at house and, and say I'm looking for a job. And all you're doing is just watching television. Faith without Words. is what? Dead. So now, here's what I want you to do. Turn over now to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I got 10 minutes to work this out. How do we experience the promise of all sufficiency in all things? Now, if you all will listen to me. Are you listening to me? If you will listen to me, I'm telling you, you're going to experience more in your life than you ever have in your life. I don't know about you. But I've reached a point in my life I'm too old to work hard. I mean, you know, like physical labor. I mean, if I had to work at a tire shop, I would get fired the first day. Come on, some of y'all the same way too. I mean, if I had to work at a tire shop, I promise you, hey, can I work the cash register? I can do that. But when now, you're talking about trying to lift some tires up. Oh, my God, they'd have to send the ambulance after me. <laughs> and so you got to reach a point in your life that you're going to live smarter and not necessarily work harder. Right. All right. All right. What did I tell you to go? Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Here's my point. I want you to see this. We must. Now here's my main point And then I have a sub point. My main point is how do we experience the promise of all sufficiency in all things for 2009? Here's a sub point. First of all, we must understand that all of God's promises are received by faith. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, look in verse 33. Let's look in verse 32. And what should I say more? For the time would fail me to talk about Gideon and talk about Obama and of Samson. I mean, it says Barack right there. That's his name. All right. Y'all see that? That was an African-American version. Let me back up. All right. The time would fail me to talk about Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and of Samuel and of the prophets. Watch in verse 33. Who all of these people, they through what? They through faith subdued kingdoms. And they through faith wrought what? Righteousness. Righteousness. And then they through faith obtained what? They obtained promises. So guess what? If they had to obtain God's promises by faith, you're going to have to use your faith to receive the promise. You're going to have to, watch this, you're going to have to use your faith to receive the promise of all sufficiency. See, some of y'all just need to start thinking all sufficiency. Instead of seeing yourself driving up to the gas station, filling up halfway. Go on and fill it up. <laughs> Instead of picturing yourself sliding on 287 because your tires are bald, <laughs> see yourself with brand new tread on your car. Forget that. See yourself with a new car. Come on now. See yourself walking into the store or the shop and not even look at the tags. I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. Well, aren't you gonna look at the tag? I don't need to. I'm at a point now. I go to a restaurant, they bring me the bill, I, I don't even let them I just don't bring I just hear the credit card, I don't even need to see their mouth. Amen. I was at I was at lunch earlier this week and I and we had lunch. I had lunch with the, uh the pastor that's in McKinney that we released, and so I'm still his pastor, so he's giving me his plans for 2009 and I'm going over that and the, and the waitress came up to the table and, and, and I said, ma'am, I said, you can give me the ticket and she gives me the ticket. I said, how much tip you want? She said $100. She said it real confident too, $100. So I very confidently wrote the $100 tip. The meal was only $30. But watch this though. She was like, oh, you did it said well I, if I didn't think you had faith I wouldn't have gave it to you in other words you gotta raise now your expectation level and here it said that they obtained the promises by faith now go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 Ecclesiastes that's in the Old Testament don't name your kids Ecclesiastes they gonna they gonna they gonna talk about him in school don't do it what's your name Ecclesiastes Who is your mama, boy? Her name is Jeremiah. (laughs) Can you imagine a lady named Jeremiah? What's your name, ma'am? Jeremiah. (laughs) Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Look at verse 10. Watch this. Watch this. Here's my point. I want you to write down. In order to experience all sufficiency in all things in 2009... We must first understand that all the promises are received by faith. And then number two, we must purposely sharpen our faith so that our results in 2009 are consistent and effective. Watch this. Look in Ecclesiastes 11. Or what did I say? Look in chapter 10. Look at verse 10. He says, if the iron, I'm going to substitute that for your faith. If your faith be blunt, then and you do not wet or sharpen the edge. Then you must put to more strength, but wisdom is profit, profitable to direct. In other words, he's saying here, if your iron or if your axe be blunt, then you're going to have to work harder in chopping down the tree. Right. And if you don't have some sharp faith, it's going to take more chops to get through the promise that you're trying to get to. Then you say, well, pastor, how do I sharpen my faith? I'm glad you asked me. Go to Proverbs chapter 27. Go to Proverbs 27. How do I sharpen my faith? Because the sharper your faith, is, the, the, the easier it is to receive the promises of God. Proverbs chapter 27. And then I want you to write down verse 17. But here's one of the ways to sharpen your faith. You got to now create some faith regiments. Everybody say faith regiments. Now, growing up, many of us didn't know that there are certain things that was either helping or hurting how we believe. The The first one, you can write these down very quickly, is your social environment. The second one was authority figures. Number three was repetitious information. And then number four was life experiences. Those four things were shaping how you believe, whether you knew it or not. And so in order to sharpen your faith, you now have to create a new faith regiment you now have to now take those four things and now reapply them in a different way you say well how you can write down now hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 your social environment the scripture says follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise you gotta now find some people to follow who, who know how to walk by faith you gotta find them follow me if you follow me i will show you how to obtain the promise And so, guess what? Your social environment shaped how you thought. It shaped how you... Listen, you know how they say birds of a feather what? Fly together. But the scripture says that, watch this, bad company will corrupt even good manners. Well, if bad company will corrupt good manners, watch this, good faith is corrupted by weak faith. So, you got to now hang around people. That's why some of y'all need to get rid of some people in 2008. Well, no, you need to do it in 2008 so when you get to 2009. Amen. Because some of the people in your, in your circle right now, you can't even believe God for a free blow pop before they talking about you. you going to try to believe for a blow pop, girl? Don't you know how much that costs? Well, it just costs a nickel. But you know what a nickel? You know, a nickel is a lot of money. All I, I, I got I was a nickel raise last year. See, you can't be around people like that. So your social environment is is what you got to use now to create a new faith regimen, and then authority figures. God's word now needs to become. Watch this. The final authority in your life. God's word needs to become final authority in your life. Not what Jerry Springer says on TV. Not what they say on M. What is it? MSNBC, CBS, uh, uh, CNN, and. And all the rest of them. See, many of us, we are letting them chart our course to believe. So who is the authority figure in your life? Then number three, repetitious information. Listen, stop coming to church listening to what you know and start listening on what to do. I'm going to say it again. Stop coming to church listening for what you already know. And start, watch this, listening on what I need to do. What in what I've said already are you not doing? Now, see, some of y'all, I'm hearing this right now. How many? Okay, everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes real quick. Close your eyes. I ain't going to hit you. Close your eyes. Now, how many in here, raise your hand. Close your eyes now. Ain't nobody looking but me. How many in here need to stop cussing in 2009? Let me see your hand. Oh, Lord Jesus, put your hands down. Put your hands down. Now, (laughs) that's why I had everybody close their eyes. A lot of cussers in here. You're going to have to stop hanging around people who cuss. (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, did you raise your hand? (laughs) Last one is life experiences. We must measure every past, present, and future life experienced by the word. In other words, don't let what you went through last year dictate you believe in this year. Here's the last thing. Go to 1 John chapter 3. How do we experience, again... How do we experience the promises of God for all sufficiency in all things for 2009? How do we do that? Here's the next one. We must do it by pleasing God. Uh, Pleasing God must become the number one priority in our life. In other words, for 2009, my goal needs to be pleasing God. Now, can I tell you a secret? You can't please yourself and please God at the same time. Now, can I tell you another secret? That when you please God, you will be pleased too. You can't please God and please yourself at the same time. It's almost impossible because pleasing yourself, in most cases, involves you doing stuff God don't want you to do. Now, 1 John chapter 3, are you there? 1 John chapter 3. How do we experience 2009 being all sufficient in all things? We got to do it by pleasing God. All right, 1 John chapter 3 and write down there verse 22. It says... And whatever we ask, we receive from God because we keep his commandments. And then watch this. And this is in addition to keeping his commandments. And we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Do you see that those are two different things? He said, first, we do his commandments. And then on top of doing the commandments, we do those things which are pleasing. He said, well, pastor, what's the difference? Okay. Okay. I can do God's commandments, you know, do not steal, do not kill, do not commit adultery. Do I, I can be doing that and then he tells me to, to go buy my wife a fur coat and I don't do it. You don't need a fur coat. It's, it's too hot in Texas. You don't need a fur coat. But, but, but here's my point. Here's my point. Obeying him still gives him pleasure. That pleases him. He said, then do those things which are pleasing. So there are going to be things that God wants you to do in 2009 that you just need to say, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And so in this case here, we got to do what is pleasing to God. Now, pleasing God positions me to abound from one level of life to the next level. If you'll turn that down because it's blowing the microphone for me. All right. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll stop right here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 Pleasing God positions us to abound from one level in life to the next level 1 First, First Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse, four, verse 1 Furthermore, then we beseech you brethren and exhort you by the Lord Jesus That as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God Watch this So that you would abound, how? More. Come on class More and what? What he's saying here is when we please God, it will cause us to abound more and more. That just means that we go from one level of life to the next level of life, to the next level of life. And so here's my question. What level of life, what street are you on right now? See, some people, they're on not enough street. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been on not enough street and I stayed there too long. See, not enough is when you got short of everything. That's when you rob Peter to pay who? Paul. Paul. And then Paul got upset, so he went to the pawn shop and got a loan to himself. And then you got people who own just enough street. Now, some people get satisfied right there. Ooh, they paying their bills. Most of them even on auto pay. And you got just enough coming in. But let your car break down. Or let an unexpected expense like a hell damage and now you got to pay your 1% deductible from your insurance company. Let that happen and now what happens? You don't have just enough now. And then you have people who are in more than enough. Now let me go back to the just enough people. If If you allow your desires to control whether you stay at the just enough level, if you do that, God can't bless you like he wants you, wants wants to. People who have just enough and they're happy there, God can't use you like he wants to because he really wants you to have enough to help somebody. But if you don't believe him for more than just enough, then he can't bless you like he wants you because you know what's going to happen? People who live in just enough and then God gives you some more, if your priorities are not right, you'll use the new that he gave you to live on you. Have you ever got a raise and didn't seem like you got one? Have you ever made more? How many? Okay, honestly, how many made more money this year than you did last year? Let me see, hand. Come on, keep your hand up. Wow, that's a lot. Look around you. Look at a lot of people. Now, watch it. Put your hand down. Now, I wonder does it reflect in your bank account right now? You say, well, Pastor, we got inflation going on, (laughs) groceries up, Gas. gas went up. And you're right. But I wonder how much of your increase you even thought about saying, God, how much of a blessing can I be to somebody when it's time for me to be a blessing? Then you have people who own more than enough street. And people who own more than enough street, you you know, they may not stay long depending on their mentality. I told one of our members yesterday, they, they wanted me to pray for their healing. And I said, I can do that. I said, but you know what? If you don't fix the physical thing that's creating the... The, 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 you know, the, the pain, if you don't fix the, the physical thing, I can pray for the pain to go away and then the pain going to come back because you haven't adjusted your body to fix it. You understand that? Last but not least, how do we experience it? We're going to do it by doing four major things We're going to produce fruit to please God Right down Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 And then we're also going to deny our flesh That's Romans chapter 8 The scripture says that if we deny our flesh If we don't deny our flesh We cannot please God So you got to have less flesh attacks in 2009 You know what a flesh attack is, right? That's when you just go off And you didn't know you went off till you, It's like you come back to yourself Everybody laying on the ground. Your knuckles are bleeding. It's like, whoa, what happened? I, I flipped out. Well, you can't have no flesh attacks. You can't have major ones in 09. Then you got to give properly. Go back and we're closing with this scripture. I promise you we to this. You know, this is the, first, the you know, first time I can go over the time. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll, this is it right here. This is it right here. Now, did you get a bag? Did everybody get a bag? If you did not get a bag, raise your hand. Okay, don't worry about it. You get yours on the way out. Okay, you'll get it on the way out. Just make sure they have their bags. Let me explain to you what I'm doing. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. But faith is released by the words of your mouth. Now, we have here what I call our Word of Truth Confession Bag. Now, this is not to confess your sins. That's not because this is too little for yours. (laughs) I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. This is our Word of Truth Confession Bag. If you look inside of your bag, you will see five pennies. Do you see the five pennies? Now, here's what we're going to do. Did you get a confession card that looks like this? What you're going to do five times a day, you're going to put these pennies in your bag before you leave home and you're going to put this bag in your purse, your pocket or wherever you keep your stuff. And five times you're going to take the penny out, one penny at a time, and you're going to take the card out and you're going to say, Father... I believe I have whatsoever I say and your promise for my life in 2009 is for me to experience a year of all sufficiency in all things according to 2 Corinthians 9.8. I believe I receive an overflow of favor, promotion, increase, health, wealth, ideas, and material resources so that I can be a blessing at all times to your kingdom. My family, my church, and those who you lead me to assist, thank you that 2009 is a year full of God's best for my life in Jesus' name. And every time you make your confession, you're going to take the penny out of the bag. So by the end of the day, you should have no pennies in your bag. And so at the beginning of your next day, you're going to take those pennies and you're going to put them back in the bag because what I'm trying to get you to do is create a consistent confession that lines up with what we know God wants for us for 2009. And if the Bible says we have whatsoever we say, the opposite of that is you don't have what you don't say. So I'm trying to get you. I was going to put 10 pennies in there and I said, well, I got to start them out at least with just five. So guess what? Now, by the end of at least the month, January, y'all ought to know this by heart. So guess what you're going to do? You're going to continue to make your confessions once you know it by heart. You're going to continue to do it five times a day. But then you're going to write up your own confession for another area in your life. Because remember, he said, all sufficiency in what? So I'm going to have all sufficiency in my marriage, all sufficiency on my job, all sufficiency in my health. So I'm going to go and find some scriptures that relate to all sufficiency in an area. And then I'm going to put my five pennies back in there. And when I make my new confession, I'm going to do it now five times a day with my new confession. And I'm going to do that until all of what's coming out of my mouth is full of God's word. And I don't know about you. But I want everything God said I could have in 2009. And I want you to just think. We're closing right now. I want you to think. Close your eyes right now. What is your biggest need right now in your life? Or what is your biggest desire? See, we really shouldn't have any needs. Because the Bible says God will supply all of our need according to his vision and glory. But if I do have some needs that are outstanding, maybe it's because I'm not in position like I need to. I want you to dare to ask God, God, why are there some needs still in my life that, that are being unmet? And let him give you the reason why. But I really want you to focus now on some of the big desires that you have for 2009. Maybe it's for your business to make seven or eight digits. Maybe it's for you to have a baby. My wife and I, we will have a baby in 2009. I hope it ain't no more than three, but we I know we're going to have at least one or two. What is your desire? Right there at your seat, I want you to think about it. And I want you to use your thoughts and your imagination to see yourself walking in your new house. See yourself being able to walk into the store. Buying whatever you want, not worried about if you have enough money to pay for it. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody look up at me. God spoke a word to me this week that I'm giving to you right now. He spoke the word bumper crop to me. I went and looked up the word bumper crop. See, we don't probably have any farmers in here. But I looked up bumper crop, and you know what it means? It means an oversized, unexpected, large harvest. And God told me that many of us in this room at our church are going to experience bumper crops in 2009. In other words, a lot of us are going to receive lump sums of stuff at one time. Some of them may be in the form of settlements. Some of them are going to be in the form of promotions. Some of them are just going to be in the form of somebody just blessing you. But it's going to be money coming out of nowhere. And it's going to be big lumps and sums of it. And he told me to tell the people that they're going to experience bumper crop blessings in 2009. And you know why he needs you to experience bumper crop blessings? Because our church can only get to the next destination with you being blessed. Now let me tell you the good news. I've already, as your spiritual overseer, made sure that we're in position to receive bumper crop harvest because our church in 2008 gave almost $200,000 away. We gave it away in seed and we gave it away to the poor. We support uh, 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 a orphanage in China, but we also support some of you. There are people here that we helped. So we've already planted some seed for our bumper crops. Yes. So I need you tonight. When you leave, you need to expect big stuff to start happening to you. Because, listen, I spoke to one of our members. I said, God's going to bless you with a contract that's going to make you rich. And it happened before the year was out. Just happened to him about a month ago. He got a contract that, uh, it's going to start around half a million. That's good money, ain't it? I hope he remembers me when he comes into his kingdom. In other words, set your faith high. Amen? Did you receive the word tonight? Father, I bless your people. I speak over them good things. I speak a year of two thousand nine for them to experience all sufficiency. No lack, no poverty, but constant increase and blessings and promotions, entrepreneurial efforts, let everything